0: Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad that you could be here with us for another episode. This is going to be our Easter episode. I'm recording this on Holy Saturday, also known as Dark Saturday in the Christian tradition. Uh, It's a day that um, we actually don't do very well a lot of times in the evangelical world. Uh, It's a day that's supposed to be for solemnity and mourning and for waiting. And um, usually until the time of the Easter Vigil, uh, there is not a Mass on that day because um, Good Friday has happened uh, when Christ has died and is in the grave. And as the church, uh, we realize that it is a time of sadness, a time of mourning. The light of the world has been extinguished, and so we wait upon Him. But then at the time that I am recording this podcast right now, um, it is sundown, and the Easter vigil begins. Last year, I had the honor of being at one of the Catholic churches in Dayton uh, to experience the Easter vigil and the baptism and confirmation of my brother-in-law, And it was one of the most meaningful services I've ever been a part of. And they started uh, at the Easter Vigil at sundown and began to celebrate the return from death to life of the light of the world. And so I thought it would be appropriate for this week's podcast to record this and release it uh, for Easter Um, and recording it at the sundown time, just for symbolism, if nothing else. And this week, we're going back to Karl Barth again. It's been a while since I was able to do one of the sermons of Karl Barth, but the timing worked out well, and I have an Easter sermon from Karl Barth that I want to share. So what I'll be doing on this podcast is not sharing a sermon of mine, but sharing a sermon from the great Karl Barth. I think you're really going to enjoy it. The title of it is Jesus is Victor. Just before I begin the sermon, I want to remind you that I will be playing at the National Worship Leader Conference uh, in Virginia. It's it's really in the D.C. area. It's about 12 miles from D.C. But if you are going to the National Worship Leader Conference, I would love to uh, speak to you there and and hang out with you a little bit and uh, just talk about leading worship and things that hopefully are of some significance. I'm looking forward to getting to to share some music in one of the evening services. I'm not sure if it's which evening it's going to be, um, but I'll be there. Uh, the brothers McClurg will be there. Paul Balash and David Balash, his son, will also be there. Uh, we'll all be playing, I believe, in the evening services. So it's going to be a, a wonderful time together. And I'm going to be sharing a song uh, that I had on the Song Discovery disc uh, over the last year and through Worship Leader Magazine. So if you're going to be at the National Worship Leader Conference, uh, send me a message at Twitter in advance. Let me know. I'd love to, to meet up with you there, or just send me an email at rick at rickleejames.com. All right, well, without any further delay on this, uh, let's get into our podcast. And this sermon is called Jesus is Victor, an Easter sermon by Carl Bart. And you did He make alive, when ye were dead through your trespasses and sins, wherein ye once walked according to the course of this world. But God, being rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with Him, and made us to sit in the heavenly places, In Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 2 and 4 through 6. What is Easter? The Bible answers resurrection, resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and that means the living God, forgiveness of sins, the empty tomb, conquered death. In a word, Jesus is victor. But really, are these answers? Answers which we understand, with which we may do something, are these clear, plain, understandable words from which light streams forth. Are they not rather hard to understand, hazy words which follow one another, which only involve us in deeper enigmas? May we not say to ourselves, we have had enough of these old questions, these enigmas of life which daily puzzle us. We do not care to deal with these old, nor these newer, greater questions. Life is hard and dismal. We have little enough light and we come to church that we may receive more light in order that little light we have may not be made dimmer or stolen from us. Perhaps we are deep in doubt. We do not understand life and we do not understand ourselves. We are afraid of life. There are so many dark shadows around us that we can scarcely find the way. After all, is there really a way out? Does life have meaning? And along comes Easter and says, God, the living God exists. God lives. God triumphs. Yes, that is the question, you reply. It is with this question that I struggle. That is, which I do not understand, and no assumption of the Bible or of a preacher helps me overcome my difficulties. The darkness becomes extremely black just when you speak about that. Just then the question starts to burn as a freshly inflicted wound. The living God, if only I could grasp and understand that. If that would only speak to me. Or it may be you are not a brooding person. Your situation is quite different. You are an active or at least an ambitious, striving, progressive person. But you chafe beneath your failures and weaknesses. And with all your progress, they still cleave to you. Perhaps you have lived for years under the curse of a moral trespass, and no one knows why you secretly slip back into your old faults and feel so ashamed of yourself. Perhaps others know it. They can see it on you. Anyway, it is a curse, an imprisonment in which you are held. You know there is a worm eating away at the roots of my life, and it disturbs whatever might grow out of these roots, and you do not know how to be done with it. You, your better self, are bound with chains to another, a baser eye which you must detest, and yet you cannot slough it off, because it belongs to you. You miserable person, who shall deliver you from the body of this death? And here comes Easter and says, Forgiveness of sins, broken chains. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yes, you sigh, how wonderful it would be. But it is just my burden, my misery, that I do not experience anything like that. This shout of joy cannot well up out of my own experience anymore after all these countless failures which I have endured. let shout who will, but rejoicing is not for me. On the contrary, forgiveness means freedom. And I first discover what chains and fences really are when we speak of freedom. Or finally, we must die. The untold dark moment will come for us all when the end comes at the place where the world sinks away and where we have to bid farewell to the realities of this life with all of its lights and shades. Where do we go then? What will be left of us? From our position, we can answer nothing. As far as our human thinking and living is concerned, that is the last word. A grave mound. A few frail flowers, that is all that is left. O enigma of dying, O enigma of life, which faces us at the exit of life. And yet, again, Easter comes and speaks the unheard word about the conquest of death, the empty grave. And this word is for us the most unheard of, and the hardest to believe. Who can understand it? Where all ends, there there all really begins. Are we not tempted to say, oh, cease this talk, we have done once and for all with this terrible enigma of dying. You are ripping open the old wounds anew when you speak of it. The final summing up of all this, which is told us at Easter, is Jesus is victor. Jesus, is it not he who was born in the humblest lowliness who died on the cross, crying the cry of a derelict of God. He who forgave sins, but who collapsed under the burden of sin. He, the humble, smitten by his faith, and of all those laden with guilt, is he not the most burdened man of Nazareth? And he is to be victor? Yes, it is always a difficult, a dark truth, a word that scarcely can be tolerated by our ears. That word, resurrection... That is to say, it is not necessarily hazy. What it really means is clear. Too clear. Plain. Only too plain. It means what it says. Something mighty. Crystal clear. Complete. It signifies. That is the world. That is life with its imprisonments and tragedies of sorrows and of sin. Life with its doubts and unanswered questions. Life with its grave mounds and crosses for the dead. A unique enigma, so immense that all answers are silent before it. Nothing, absolutely nothing can one do who is in this fate. Sin and death, with its thousandfold festering need, nothing can one do to stop it. Everything is too insignificant to fill up this vacuum. Admit it, it negates everything. There is no way out. There might be the possibility of a miracle happening. No, not a miracle, but the miracle. The miracle of God. God's incomprehensible saving intervention and mercy. The all inclusive renewal that leads from death to life that comes from Him. God's creation word. God's life word. And that means resurrection from the dead. Resurrection, not progress, not evolution, not enlightenment. But what the word means, namely a call from heaven to us. Rise up. You are dead, but I will give you life. That is what is proclaimed here. And it is the only way that the world can be saved. Take away this summons and make something else of it. Something smaller, less than the absolute whole, less than the absolute ultimate, or less than the absolutely powerful. And you have taken away all, the unique, the last hope there is for us on earth. Perhaps we still allow the word resurrection to please us very well. Yes, we reach out our eager hands toward it. Who is there that does not eagerly desire the promise of freedom, life, and hope for for the future? But that which disturbs us and which we will not endure, which we scarcely or absolutely will not and cannot admit, is the divine encroachment which all this presupposes, and that is our distress, the awfulness of our chains, the imprisonment which we suffer from which there is no escape. We will gladly let anyone tell us about the love of God. We rejoice when it is ardently proclaimed to us, but do we not see that all this is meaningless patter? if we are not at the same time shocked as by a crash of lightning with a sense of the depth of our lost condition to which the love of God had to stoop, we do not like to see that we are deeply imprisoned, and that it is true, so irrefutably true, that we cannot, absolutely cannot, in any way help ourselves. That is true. We are a people who live in the shadow and the darkness of death. That this is true and is proclaimed to us in, with, and under the word resurrection. Oh, that is for us the bitter, unacceptable, and unendurable truth which stirs us to rebellion. That is the darkness in the clear word resurrection. Oh yes, we gladly allow it to be proclaimed to us. But that the victory in no sense grows or issues from us, that it is God's victory. And that this victory is contrary to our wishes and comes as a result of our impotent helplessness is what we do not care to hear at all. Yet we're dead in your sins and trespasses in which ye walked according to the course of this world. But God who is rich in mercy has made us alive with Christ. If only we could take the words, God has made us alive by themselves without that word, but, which precedes it, and which so emphatically refers to our being dead in our sins. Nevertheless, it is true that wherever that crystal clear word resurrection shall resound and be heard and understood, the prior word must be resounded and heard and perceived, which is death." It must be seen and understood that in the midst of life, even in blooming and healthy life, there is a yawning chasm, a deep pit that cannot be filled by any art or power of man. Only one word is sufficient to cover this chasm, to fill this pit, and that is the word Jesus is victor, the word resurrection. First of all, one must see and realize that all paths of life upon which we walk are the same, now or at any later time, and that they all lead to the same edge of the precipice, over which there is no bridge man can build in any case, but which in incomprehensible fashion has been made manifest in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who would partake in this resurrection? Must first have seen this chasm, have discovered this pit. And life is not easy. On the contrary, it becomes dead and earnest and difficult wherever this word resurrection resounds because this world is serious. It throws clear light upon our existence and in the clarity of it we see how dark our existence is. It proclaims true freedom to us and lets us painfully discover our prison chains. It tells us that the one and only and last refuge is God. But it tells us that only because it tells us that all our positions on life's battlefields are lost and that we must vacate them. Against this fact we defend ourselves. We do not tolerate this assessment and pronouncement upon our lives, which inheres in the resurrection proclamation. For that reason we deny the resurrection, or we at least minimize it. We alter it. We seek to minimize this maximum word, We seek to bedim that illuminating light that falls upon our existence. We denature that truth of its unconditional, wonderful, divine essence. We alter it into something human. And then, in our preaching on Easter Day, we say something about the rejuvenation of nature, or the romantic reappearing of the blossoms, or the revival of the frozen torpid meadows. We interpret the message that Jesus is victor, not in its literal sense but we interpret it as a symbol or a human idea. In that case, the message tells us that the world is not so bad off. After each and all evils, there is natural, there naturally follows something good. One must not lose his courage. Only hope. And should it be that we stand beside graves and we talk about the resurrection, we should not think of it as a literal resurrection, but rather as a continuation of life in a spiritual sense. In a limbo like mystic beyond, or perhaps in the memory of those loved ones who survive, or in those acts and deeds which the deceased one left behind. We may seek to be satisfied with this sort of resurrection. We may get along very well for some time, with the comfort that death is not so terrible. One must just not lose his courage. We may succeed for a long time with the romantic reappearing of the blossoms and the rejuvenating of spring and thus forgetting that the bitterness of the present reality. It may be that even as we stand beside the graves of loved ones, we might find contentment in the thought of a spiritual continuation of this life. But the remarkable thing about it is that the real truth of the resurrection seems to be too strong for us because it will not suffer itself to be hidden or concealed in these harmless clothes. It always breaks forth through all these romantic dreams about reappearing blossoms and comforts which men offer each other whereby we have concealed it. It rises up and shouts at us, asking us, Do you really think that this is all I have to say to you? Do you really believe that this is why Jesus came to earth, why he agonized and suffered, why he was crucified and rose again on the third day to become merely a symbol for the truth, which is really no truth, that eventually everything will be all right? And it is remarkable that this resurrection truth has a companion, namely life itself. Life itself stands up, grasping us, asks, Do you really think that by this easy, convenient way you can solve me? Do you not yet understand what I am all about? Do not the riddles of your existence, your sins and your futile battles against it, your death, which you are daily approaching, do not these things give you enough to think about that you can imagine you can come through all these dark things without an absolutely mighty, absolutely true, an absolutely ultimate word of victory that is the vital core of life. This mighty, true word of victory is resurrection. Is all this still obscure to you? Ah, this word is certainly not dark. It is your life that is dark. The world is dark because mankind is imprisoned. But we will not admit it. And as long as we will not admit it, the word resurrection will be a difficult word A rock of offense, hard and offensive because it is so sincere and because we cannot honestly face it without having to admit that life is difficult, that the world is dark, that death is not child's play, and that we are not done with our sins. No cultural education, no art, no evolutionary development helps me beyond my sins. I must receive assistance from the ground up. Then the steep walls of our security are broken to bits and we are forced to become humble, poor, pleading. Thus we are driven more and more to surrender and give up all that we have. Surrender and give up those things which we formerly used to protect and defend and hold to ourselves against the voice of resurrection's truth which spoke to us so mightily out of the facts of life. Thus we edge over very close to the place where we can hear the great but, which immediately follows. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. But God, yes, their resurrection is proclaimed. There eventuates a new emancipating beginning in the very midst of human transiency. There a new door opens. When all other exits are barricaded, there a new page is turned over. The old is passed, turned over and laid back. But God, who is rich in mercy, a tremendous new and unexpected possibility opens to us after all possibilities are exhausted. A great radiant freedom bursts forth after you harbored no more hope that you could escape the imprisonment of your character and your circumstances, your troubles and your burdens. But, God, perhaps you have not yet reckoned in earnest with that phrase, but you must now reckon with it and with nothing else. Perhaps you will now remark, I cannot understand it. I do not sense it. I have not yet experienced it. It does not harmonize with my experience. I am not pious, not religiously inclined. In short, I do not have any rational ground to trust myself to it. But I might reply, Do you not understand that the resurrection is a goal for which there is no rational ground, which requires no reason, to which no human support, human knowledge, or human experience can be brought to prove or make it true? It is not a question as to whether you can grasp it or not, whether there is some supporting proof of it. The main question is whether you have that freedom which is without ground or support, without knowledge, proof or experience in the midst of your impasse, darkness, and the afflictions of your life and death. Do you have the freedom to breathe and be happy about this, but God? That is the primary question. Are you free enough to let your life come to such a point where without your assistance, even though you are dead in your sins, this is true, but God who is rich in mercy, yes, truer than your sin, truer than all your experiences and your thoughts, truer than all your doubts and afflictions, truer than death, graves, and hell, this freedom God will gladly give you, this freedom to breathe in His atmosphere, even though you have a thousand griefs this freedom to rise from the dead in victorious power of Christ even though you are a sinner and a mortal this is the easter message this is the easter gospel why do we not believe it why do we not always strive against or sorry why do we always strive against this mighty but god who is rich in mercy why do we not crash through the imprisoning wall of our thought life which keeps us from the great resuscitation which can become our possession why is not this gospel preached from every pulpit why is it not heard in all our human constraints upon all death beds and at the very side of all graves why do we not really know that all have been made alive through the mercy of God and even when we do know it why is it not the one and only truth against which there is not anything of importance to invalidate it Because it pierces everything, suspends everything, and renews everything. These questions are synonymous with the question, Why do we still think that we can live our life without God, even for one hour? Have we not yet sunk deep enough to see how little progress we can make alone? Yes, that is the enigma of all enigmas, enigmas about which a great, single, tragic wonderment reigns in heaven. The fact that man thinks he can live and die in his own strength. On the one hand we find life with all its need and its enigmas. And on the other is God with all the lights and powers of the heavenly world. And in the midst is a man in whom both seek to unite. Whose existence shall become the stage upon which God desires to meet the needs of man. A stage of the resurrection. For that is resurrection. But man will not surrender his life to it. He rebels. He does not understand and will not believe. He hides himself even in the resurrection. Yet all we can say is to repeat, But God who is rich in mercy, God will have done with this enigma, the enigma of our unbelief. He has already done with it. For the resurrection is not simply one word, one idea, a program. Resurrection is a fact. Resurrection has happened. The contradiction is broken. The life of man has already become the stage of divine triumphant mercy. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Let us ask God that he may conquer us through his word. And this is the sermon of Karl Barth for Easter. I hope you have enjoyed it, and I hope you have enjoyed the Voices in My Head podcast. Uh, We've been having some really great shows lately, I think, and I really think we've had some great guests. Thank you for helping me to celebrate Easter. Thanks for for joining with me here on the Voices in My Head podcast and just celebrating what God is doing in the world. Uh, There's much work left to do, but it is a work of proclamation. It is a word of living out the gospel, and I'm so grateful to be able to be on this journey uh, with so many of you and, and so many new listeners every week. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. And uh, so if you want to jump on Twitter at Rick Lee James, or if you want to send me an email, Rick at com, feel free to do that. I'd love to hear from you. would love to interact. I'd love to hear your resurrection stories. Let me close on a very special note with a true life uh, what I can only call nearly a resurrection story, it's its something miraculous that happened this week in my life, and I'd be remiss if I didn't share this story. My father is a, uh, a big fan of motorcycles, let's put it that way, he has a Honda Goldwing and he has a Harley Davidson, and he lives in West Virginia, where there are a lot of beautiful hills and curves, and he likes to drive around on those motorcycles, and Well, this week uh, he was riding on one of the highways in West Virginia, probably going around 65 miles an hour. And a drunk driver, a person two times over the legal limit at least, um, pulled out right in front of him and he had no time to stop whatsoever. Uh, He crashed into the back of this truck with his motorcycle he hit the truck so hard, it knocked the back wheels of the truck off of its uh, of its um, axle. I mean, just literally made it so the truck could not drive anymore knocked the wheels off. The motorcycle is um, a complete mess. And my dad is there in the midst of it in this crash at uh, at least 55, but probably around 65 mile per hour because he was there on that highway. And so we're not sure exactly about those details he had a helmet on um miraculously my dad is alive um and considering the trauma that he endured um you know he's really not hurt that bad uh he is hurt and he's had to have a couple of surgeries uh in the hospital but after being in the hospital a few days he's home tonight and uh, and I am so grateful. He is banged up, he is bruised, he is hurt. But it is unheard of, almost, for anyone to not only survive a motorcycle accident at such a high speed, um, but to survive and be doing so well. His helmet uh, completely protected his head. And eyewitnesses say that his head bounced several times on the pavement. That he was... I mean, he really hit hard, if you can imagine this... Um, people die in crashes at 10 miles an hour at times. And, um, so I, this is just, uh, a, a miracle to me. Um, I, I can't see any other way that he survived it. So I'm very grateful, uh, that dad protected my father. And so this Easter as we celebrate as in just a few hours, we'll be going into uh, my church on Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We are celebrating, um, We feel like in some ways we got dad back, you know, even though we didn't lose him in our hearts and in our thoughts, we felt like maybe we did lose him because we didn't know how serious the accident was. Uh, What a joy it was to be able to drive to his hospital in West Virginia and to be in his room and hear him joking and laughing and being in good spirits, uh, even through the surgeries that he had to go through on his leg. So, um, we are rejoicing around here, the Voices in My Head podcast this week. Um, at the life that was saved. And uh, and so even though Dad isn't going to be able to preach this Easter at his church, uh, he is still with us. And uh, so thank you. So many of you have, have sent uh, messages uh, saying you're praying for my dad, praying for our family in this time as he recovers. And I just want to say thank you for that. Many of you are friends with me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and my website and different things. And so you've kind of been watching this the whole week as, as I've uh, journeyed to the hospital to be with him, and I've been sharing updates about how he's doing in the hospital. Uh, so thank you for your prayers, thank you for your thoughts, thank you for your kind words, and thank you for joining me for this uh, special Easter edition of the Voices in My Head podcast. I'm so grateful to get to share it with you every week, and I hope to see you back here again next week. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com. Follow me on Twitter at RickleyJames, Like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames. And keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P.A.R.E. Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace